Hi, this is Vance Sims, host of the Father Matters Show. I would like to personally invite you to our fifth annual Court and Custody Conference, Thursday, March 17th, hosted at River of Life in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information, log on to fathermatters.org. Special guest speakers and representatives from Department of Child Safety, Family Law Attorneys, and Division of Child Support Services. For more information, log on to fathermatters.org. Topics include how to find the right attorney, divorce and separation, child support and visitation, modification of child support, and much, much more. Don't miss this powerful day, Thursday, March 17th. Log on to fathermatters.org. This is the Father Matters Show with your host, Vance Sims. Father Matters is committed to building stronger, healthier communities by supporting, encouraging, and enlightening today's fathers and families. And now, your host, Vance Sims. Welcome to the Father Matters Show. I'm your host, Vance Sims. Thank you for joining us on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. This month went by really, 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 really fast. We are already into February. I hope you had a great New Year kickoff, getting the New Year started. And if you have not yet partnered with Father Matters, would you please consider becoming a Father Matters partner? The Father Matters Show is listener-supported in all Father Matters programs and services are free to the community because of your generous donations. For more information about donating to Father Matters, log on to fathermatters.org and click the Donate to Father Matters icon. I had the opportunity to be a part of a conference called Helping Boys Thrive. It was a statewide conference. I was one of the keynote speakers. I spoke in the afternoon it was very, very powerful. But what I have for you, a special treat, is uncut, commercial-free, a live recording of the panel. So you're going to hear myself and some of the other speakers who spoke that day. Again, this is a live panel uh, from the Helping Boys Thrive conference that we've done. Commercial-free, just for you. We're going to go through this fairly quickly because we know that you guys have spent a lot and your heads are just jam-packed full with information, and uh, a lot of this information, one of the things that's going on, I need to tell so-and-so this. I need to tell so-and-so this. I, I, I need to talk to them about this. Uh, so, Michael, the first question is, what is the easiest way to start this conversation with somebody that may not be prepared uh, necessarily or as hungry as the people attending today about this vital issue? That's a good question. That's my job. Um, so, and the thing being the nature-based approach? Yes. To Okay. Um, well, I have to process that. Uh, well, what? Use your fingers. I, I guess they, that would work. Um, I think that, uh, that using multimedia would be something to start doing, like figure out what it is that works for them. If they don't read books, if they like Audible, video clips off YouTube, you know, to make it, so that it immediately hits their brains and whatever is the way their brains work. Um, thematically, in terms of the depth of the theme, I, I think it would be to try to link it to something they already believe and understand, even at a common sense level, or if they're in faith, then through the Bible, or if they're secular, through academic research, whatever it is, whatever already moves them to link it to that, because it will be linkable. 
to whatever, whatever is their context. It, you will be able to link it to that context. So it's possible you may have to ask them some questions like, what do you, so when you think gender, what do you think? Or when you think boys, what do you think? And elicit from them what their context is and then um, try to link it to their context. Tim, as a pastor, same question. How do you, uh, for others out there that are in specific leadership ministry roles, what, how do you bring it up? Well, I, I would affirm everything that Michael said. There are really great resources out there. You've been introduced to a number of them today. Uh, part of leadership, of course, is to, to create a vision and to tell the story. And for those of us who have that kind of impact, uh, in our church, for example, um, I will preach sermons specifically about boys and tie it into a biblical story or about girls or men and women. We had Michael out to our congregation and spoke, and we had Michael Thompson, you saw, raising Cain. Uh, so we try to bring into our congregation these kinds of experts as well uh, because teachers, all of us who are in public work, you know that after a while the people that love us tune us out. So you need to bring in new voices, right? And uh, But at the same time, if they see your enthusiasm about it and your passion about it, it's going to rub off onto them and keep talking about it. I, I've said this several times today. Every time I'm with Michael and with these folks, I learn something new. And I've heard Michael speak many, many times, but I always hear something new. And because you, you, you take it in, you process it, you implement it, and then you come back and you hear it differently. And uh, so you, you just need to keep talking, especially this stuff where there's so much confusion in our culture. You need to keep talking about it all the time. Anybody else want to make a, a comment on that? Just pass the mic. Yeah, Dakota. Yeah, I'd like to make it to educators because there's so much emphasis on academic achievement. And once you go in and you actually look at the data to see if you have a gender gap, then the next question is, what do we do about it? And sadly, what I see in a lot of places is they look at a new math curriculum or they look at a new reading curriculum and think that's going to solve the problem where it's really basically understanding these gender differences and whatever curriculum you're going to work is going to work if you understand these differences. Who else wants to give us some advice on how to start the conversation? I think it's really important, whatever system you're working in, that you share your vision and your wisdom with whoever's ever in a position of decision-making. Um, we talked a lot about strategies to do that, but you know, coming back and being really excited from a conference and setting up an appointment with your supervisor to say, can I just share one thing that I'm wondering if we can do? Because you're the culture change agents wherever you're working, and we really depend on you. So well thank said. you. Yeah. Anybody else? I would say um, at the meet and greet a couple months ago or a month ago, the work that Dakota and Michael have done typically as an assistant principal, I'm charged with looking at an idea and then, of course, looking at the cost. And in Arizona, the budgets have been slashed and we know the resources are limited. So knowing that I have to take that to my principal, one of the men that was at the meet and greet said to Michael, you need to change your language from what is the cost of your program to what is the return on investment and the value. And I can truly say after two years of just um, looking at Michael's work and reading and researching and being a part of that, the return on investment and human capital for me from a teacher standpoint and training my teachers in it and looking at how I interface with students 
is a million fold. The way I look at boys, the way I discipline boys, the referrals in my school have gone down. The excitement has gone up. Teachers aren't sending kids to me because they're pushing and shoving in the halls because they get what aggression nurturance is. And so the bottom line for most of us, I would assume, is how much does this cost to do the training that Dakota and Michael have done such a wonderful job and the rest of the team as well. So um, maybe using the language return on investment and value versus cost uh, would help massage that a little bit. Vance, uh, what is your suggestion for entering into this conversation as people leave today? Um, Open up your ears and open up your heart and realize that everyone is going through something. So just be patient, just listen, and realize we might be from organizations, but what we're doing is ministry. If you are a parent, your child or children is your ministry. When we say ministry, it's not necessarily pulpit. Ministry is doing what you love to do. Now, this won't be on the recording here, but that was so that I have an edit break. See how that works behind the scenes? Uh, Terry Lynn, uh, you have uh, been able to acquire... There's no way that we could cover all the questions that were submitted, but I know you have some, and you've had a chance to uh, uh, peruse. Uh, What's the question you have from one of our attendees? There's several really good questions and a couple that are quite deep, and I decided it's kind of hard to know which one, but... Um, I think I'm going to start with, how can this movement go to the next level? How can we develop a cadre of trainers on this issue in Arizona? Um, so. Oh, okay, I'll say, and then anyone else. Uh, I, I'm so glad that question was asked, uh, because uh, we really do, you know, we are, it's all about grassroots and about the movement expanding. So, um, uh, as Katie, as this moves here to Phoenix, Katie, and we are going to hold our, our uh, certification sessions here, Summer Institute here. Um, so there's going to be a way to certify trainers here. Uh, in the meantime, in January, um, uh, our Winter Institute in Tampa is happening, and that's an even quicker way to do it. And um, that's two months or a month and a half from now, two months from now, in Tampa. And there you'll actually see schools that have implemented the, the Gurian theory and all of this, and you'll see how they it's worked in their classrooms. And these are schools that went from D and F schools. They were going to be closed, and they went to A schools. So you can see it there in Tampa, and then that will gradually move here to, um, to Phoenix and to Arizona. So that's one way to do it is get as many people certified as you can so they can go out and spread the word. The other thing I would say is any of you who understand funding and understand the politics of funding and where funding is and how that works. Any of you who understand all of that here, please find each other and find Katie and, and let's all have a conversation because at some point it's going to have to all get funded somehow. And that means designing things that fit the needs of your niches and your communities, uh, making sure to be aware of your grassroots needs. Anybody else want to respond to that? How do we build a cadre and a group here? Right. So um, what I've seen of being an executive director over these years is that we're still operating in silos. So schools get training, these people get training, these people get training, and it's not coming together. And this is really a community issue. It isn't just a school issue. And so I would say, because I'm connected with schools, it's like you're connected to resource officers, you're connected to social workers, you're connected to psychologists, 
how do we get into those different niches to make this a bigger movement than being in silos? Anybody else? Terry Lynn, do you have another uh, question you'd like to share? I do. This was the question I asked the entire time I raised my four boys, um, and that was, what is happening in the minds and brains of boys with this constant competition between, and she's talking about my sons. (laughs) So, yeah, what is it with all this constant competition with boys? We have no idea what you're talking about speaking as a guy. Do you want to, like, ask a certain person that? No, I think I've talked enough. I'll talk for one minute. Uh, But but then we got to hear from other people. I mean, okay, so the competition, of course, um, uh, is uh, is generated in nature, nurture, and culture. So you knew I would say that. In the nature, obviously the nature is the testosterone, the Y chromosome, and the way that the brain's formatted. So the brain is formatted for challenge, and it's formatted to prove itself and to take risks and prove itself. doesn't mean every boy does that every minute, but it's formatted toward that. And um, even the most sensitive boys will generally get into video games and become very competitive there because there's enough testosterone and there's enough brain formatting to say, okay, i got to prove myself. And um, a second thing that I think is at the biological level is, as was mentioned I think earlier by Tim, is that males, uh, females have a biological rite of passage. They have its menstruation, it happens, it starts, and when it starts it happens and it constantly happens. And at a certain point... You know, females do know, and relatively quickly, that they can become women right away. Males have always had to prove that they are men because there is no biology that all they get is some pubic hair, right? Their body grows, that's it. Um, They've got to prove they're men. And every culture has known that. And so competition, of course, is sort of chicken and egg around that, uh, around having to prove themselves in order to be respected and to take care of their families and get their share of resources to care for their families. So I think those are two things at a biological level. And then there's a lot of nurture and culture, but let's let someone else talk. Vance, I know you've seen this in action, uh, literally, where um, it, it's actually been destructive uh, because of that uh, male need to uh, show dominance or have competition, and they don't understand what's actually driving underneath. So if you could uh, uh, speak to... Uh, a mom out there that's saying, gosh, what is up with all this competition between my boys? That, that's tough, and it's kind of easy because, again, it depends on what they're going through and who they're trying to follow, who they're trying to impress. So, again, it's just stepping back and listening and watching and asking a lot of questions because you're, you're talking about things that could have happened to them uh, when they were growing up. Uh, they're trying to be like what they see on TV, the videos they're trying to follow. And what they're looking for is someone to mentor them. They're looking for someone to lead them. And if we're as older men not leading the younger boys, what they're going to do is create their own population. So you may see uh, a teen mom walking down the street with her teen boyfriend. And what's happening, they are creating their own society. Because we are slowly turning into a society without the father. So if we're not there to father, these young boys, these young girls are going to father and mother themselves. And they're going to create their own society. So if we're dropping them, if we're not there, we're grown men acting like little boys. They're going to create their own society. I can remember the one time, the very first time that I ever beat my dad playing ping pong. 
where that that's so random. I can remember it. I could tell you what the weather was that day. I can tell you where it was. And you know, that was a very, very, I lost my dad when I was 14, but that's just an example. That's, that's just how we're wired. Uh, as Michael said, Terry Lynn. Okay. So this time I'll, I just want to briefly talk to the mothers in the room because I think this speaks to our discomfort at some of the things that are male and that when we talk earlier about not shaming boys about their behavior or their maleness, it's really easy as a mom to be like, do you have to compete about everything? Mm-hmm. And, and that kind of dialogue that we impart to our sons, which is one that that is not normal behavior. If I could help all of us as women begin to think about shifting that kind of conversation to a more accepting stance of that this is part and parcel of a boy's journey into adulthood. Just a quick note, because you saw me do it already. Uh, I beat Michael with my finger, and, and as Vance was speaking today with all that testosterone up here, I thought, I think he's got a bigger finger than I've got. And, and so I want to see, did you have more testosterone? Which, is, which, which, is which finger? finger needs to be bigger? Uh, which, the, the, yeah, oh, man, look at that. See? Shoot. <laughs> it's not a competition. It's a competition, right? By the way, I bet Dakota could, and Michael could say some good things about this, though, how these are competition is a great teaching uh, tool that boys learn through competition. Right. So anybody that was in my session, right, competition's a great tool. Um, and all you have to do is watch television to see it all the time in ads and that sort of thing. But competition as far as having them compete against themselves, they don't always have to compete against another boy. So that's where you set the timers and set the goals and that sort of thing. So, And just one quick thing I would add to that. Of course, uh, we are, any of us who are in any of these fields, we're all about cooperative learning, right? Everything, we got to be cooperative and it's cooperative learning. And so if you, re, if you hit that language from people, remind people that competition is a very sophisticated form of cooperative learning. Competition is a very sophisticated form of cooperative learning. If people can form teams to compete together, wow, they really know how to cooperate. So if you're having that and you hit that obstruction, say, no, no, I think you're missing this. That's the wrong distinction. Uh, I'll manage this competition really well with these students so that they can flourish, and I'll show you that this is a very highly sophisticated form of cooperative learning. I actually want to get everybody out on time uh, so I want to start with Vance on the end uh, just and, and come this way we have about a minute each I uh, not I'm not a parent I'm not uh, in the school system I'm not in, in all I, I see is media and the reports uh, but I also know that um, there is reason to be encouraged there is reason to be excited for our future So I want you to take about a minute each. Why are you excited and encouraged, founded in the basis of what we're talking about today? I'm excited because, one, everyone on the stage took their time to be here. But, two, everyone out here took their time to be here. We're all learning. We're all cultures. We have all different types of backgrounds. And what was not available in the 60s, 70s, 80s and even 90s is now becoming available and we're starting to realize I can't do what you do you can't do what I do but together we can do it all and what we're doing is getting ourselves out of the way and we're becoming servants I'm excited because I'm starting a whole new 
journey um, with a fabulous team and a great foundation, 20, 30 years, and all of the expertise. And just knowing all of your different agencies and the people that are here that took the time to be here today. Um, when you watch the news, obviously the past two, three weeks in America and beyond have been nothing short of tragic. So um, focusing on this issue is obviously important to you, and I'm just really excited about the momentum, and I'm so excited that Arizona is going to be the place GI is going to be based out of. So thanks. I'm excited because um, every time I come to these conferences, there are more people and more disciplines represented. And so for me, it's the notion that um, I can only do what's right in front of me, but there are so many in the room, and if we all do what's right in front of us, we're going to affect the change. In talking to several people that were in my session, many people came back for a second time this year because they've tried some things and then they wanted to try some more things. And that's what's exciting is that we can never stop learning. Um, and you're here to prove that. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited by, by a number of things. Two I want to mention. One is that, that now in 2015, having this conversation uh, nationally, internationally, and with you here in Phoenix, it's, it's easier to have this conversation than it was 30 years ago. Um, and that is really a great thing, and a lot of the reason is people like you who are at some intuitive, deep level already having this conversation, and then we're able to help you marshal forces and look at programming and designing and those things, but it's in, it's in you, and you want to have this conversation. And 30 years ago, it was a lot tougher. So first thing I want to say is thank you to all of you and everyone who is now, we're all in it together. Um, and then the second thing is definitely a personal thing, uh, which is I'm very excited about the Gurian Institute moving here to your neighborhood, to your town, to this world. Um, it's, it is really exciting for me. I, of course, have been there in the, all the evolutions of the Gurian Institute, having my name on it, uh, you know, <laughs> all, all the different ev evolutions of it. And, um, and now this evolution is so exciting and there's so much possibility. So, so I think in a way sort of personally and professionally, I'm excited by all of you and by Arizona. Thanks for having us. Back in the 1960s and 70s, we recognized that our girls were falling behind boys. And so collectively as a nation, we said, we're going to change that storyline. And we did. And the same energy is still here in this country to change the storyline of our boys. And we changed that storyline by 1982 for girls. And we can do it again. It's going to look different. Um, we may not have it from top down, but this will be grassroots movement. And so what you represent here today is hope for our boys and that the storyline will be changed, and it's going to begin right here. Terry Lynn, I'm going to give you the last uh, two minutes before I give away free stuff. Did you hear that, free stuff? Woo-hoo! Be <laughs> that is because you guys are still here. <laughs> that is dedication. I am absolutely thrilled with what is happening here. I believe with all my heart that we must work together in order to address these issues and that boys in crisis impacts, um, as Kathleen said earlier when she was speaking, when she deals with um, sex trafficking and different things, there's a lot of issues going on that 
if you if you go back a bit and look at it, we, it's it's what's happening with our boys, our young men, our fathers, and so we have been given this opportunity. One of the reasons why in your flyer it listed all your program, it listed all the different organizations, is so that you could see the diversity of who's in this room. That together we are better, and together we can change the storyline of boys. And so I hope that you guys ponder these things, and that we move forward in some way to really see. Um, that we train trainers and then we begin to track measurables and begin to tell the story of what's happening in Arizona because we don't, we keep being on the bottom of all the ratings in, in the nation. And it's time that we show them that, wow, when we work together, we can be at the top. Let's hear it for the panelists. Well, that was the panelists from the Helping Boys Thrive. We did that conference last December. We've got a Look out for our kids and our kids' future. So, hey, look, thank you for tuning into the Father Matters Show. Send us your questions or comments to info at fathermatters.org. Thank you to my engineer, Jeremy Siegel. Wednesday, February 10th, Father Matters is hosting a Father's Mentoring Father's Workshop. Log on to fathermatters.org for more information. See you next week at the same time, same place. Have a safe week. Thank you, and God bless. <laughs>